1: Dave, we're back. We're back. We're back. I understand we have a coach on the on the line. We have, for the first time, another executive coach. This
2: is the first time in the boiling point. We had another
1: coach. Who else did we have? Uh, just you have to give me a minute to think about oh, that. Oh
2: geez, but, so he's a second, but that's okay. But you're not going to forget Greg like a few months down the road when. <laughs>
1: that- <laughs> oh great! Now you just throw me into the <laughs> bus with the last person.
2: So uh, I, I've got a, a a good friend of mine who I DJ. Oh, DJ Waldo. That's ah, right. See? He was a coach. That's yeah. right. Uh, so I've got Greg Faxon on the line here. And Greg uh, is an executive coach like yourself, Dave, who I met at the Seth Godin Ruckus Makers uh, Conference. And uh, Greg and I stayed in touch. In fact, Greg and I had a couple coaching sessions as well. A uh, phenomenal experience. And i uh, really excited to connect you two as uh, practitioners in the same space, both with really incredible strengths because uh, I've, I've been coached by both of you, which um, it's really neat to see processes followed that are so universal in the world of coaching. Um, so I, I think it's really, going to be really cool for us to unleash this and just have a conversation about the, uh, the power of coaching and also the whole concept of the coach approach and everything that we do. So Dave meet
1: Greg, Greg meet Dave. Great, name, Greg. Nice to
3: meet you,
1: Dave. Yeah, nice to meet you, man. Well, let give us a little background. Too many
3: coaches now in this world, huh? No uh, one wants to be a coach. Do you know what? <laughs>
1: here's here's my. I honestly believe this, Greg. I think the demand for coaching is bigger than than good coaches to deliver it. I honestly believe that. It's just it's just a lot of people need to, and, and we're going to do it today is help educate some people on what what coaching is and and how they can. You know, get a hold of you. So, but why don't you give us a little background first, though, and like how you got into this whole industry, this coaching industry, which people are uh, not—is just—is I, I honestly think is still emerging.
3: Hmm. You want the the long version or the short version? I so want, I do well, well, I, hey, well,
1: it's completely
2: do sh- up to you. Yeah, right. there we go. We, we have twenty minutes. What, so what, what, what would you like you to
3: do? <laughs> <laughs> we we'll go medium. We we'll go medium version. So, how did I get into coaching? Um, so I left college and, and got a job in market research and consulting and I actually I graduated a semester early and I felt like the man. I felt like, okay, all my friends are still having graduated and I was getting flown to Brazil to do focus groups and every all this fancy stuff when you think about consulting. And, you know, it was exciting at the beginning because it you know, it made me feel good. It made me feel like I was had a really certain path and I was comforting. Um, but you know, I remember this moment where, uh, one of the partners in my firm walked by and I was moving a number from one Excel spreadsheet to another Excel spreadsheet. And, um, I was just kind of brain dead, you know, we were doing, I didn't do that type of thing every day, but that quantitative work for me can be a little mind numbing. And so one of the partners walks by, she's like, Hey Greg, how's it going? I'm like, you know, it's, it's going okay, but I'm kind of brain dead, you know, and we were, the people at the firm were great. So I was always up front and direct. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, yeah, you know, you can't go to the boardroom right away. And he was being casual, you know, about it. But for me that made a big impression because I was a young guy and I realized, you know, holy shit, am I going to have to wait 10 20 years to really make an impact? And would that be the type of impact I wanted to make? We were doing marketing for really large fortune 500 companies. And I never saw the impact that I made on an individual person, you know? So to me, if, if, You know, one credit card company did their marketing campaign a little better. I wasn't getting emails written to me saying, Greg, that marketing campaign really inspired me, you know, for one of their customers or something like that. And so I started figuring out, okay, if this isn't the thing that, if this isn't kind of your signature impact, then what is? And I started waking up at 5 a.m. I started writing. I'd always been interested in personal development. In school, I studied psychology. And um, I think I probably started off being interested in it just to get better with women. So I was a
1: really short Psycho- guy, and I figured right.
3: P- psychology or coaching. I think it. Yeah, exactly. But I guess really psychology is the whole personal development side of it, um, because I was like, okay, actually, um, actually, need to work on myself a little bit, you know. And so I started diving into that, and then I studied it formally in college, um, and so, anyways, so I, I started writing about personal development. I started writing about my journey and things I had learned up to then, still stuff I was still figuring out. And I started, I, hold, I held a couple of workshops in DC. This was all on the side, um, the, alongside my job. And it, it took me probably six months to make the first $1,000 in that business, um, which, you know, I was doing it on the side. It was fine. It was exciting. I'd never made, um, I'd never started my own business. So it was, it was exciting, but it was also like, wow, if I keep going at this pace, it's going to be a long time before you get to make this your full-time living. Um, And so, I remember, you know, 67 months in, I lived right by the National Zoo in D.C. I remember running through the zoo and every day I would pass a different animal, so it was kind of cool. So my favorite animal was the wolf. We had this wolf den. There was a white wolf and a gray wolf. And um, I remember looking at these wolves and they had this, they had kind of a great life in a way, because everything was provided for them, it was really comfortable. But they also, wolves are really like, for me, the most wild animal that there is. So I remember looking into their eyes and being like, oh, they, they're not really not happy here. It's really not what they're, they're not meant to be in this type of situation. And that was mirroring kind of my internal world is I felt like I have this comfortable job and everything externally looks good, but um, it's not really, uh, it's not me and it's not letting me unleash kind of what I feel like my contribution is. And so that's actually when I hired my first coach. Um, and I realized like a coach, I mean, Dave, we can talk about this, but for me, a coach who's never had really powerful coaching um, is kind of like a walking paradox in a way because they're, they're asking people to invest in something that they themselves haven't invested in. So true. Um, and so, true. And so when, I, when I invested in that first coach, we had a couple of conversations, um, complimentary, and we were trying to see if we were fit. And, um, and it totally it ch- changed everything. What, one of the big takeaways for me was that I was really focused on Tweaking my website and thinking about basically hiding little things in branding that were just hiding in my business. And what I wasn't doing was coaching people. You know, and at that point I realized, okay, I might want to get into coaching. That would be a, that makes sense with all of my skill sets and my strengths and the way I'm wired. And um, so I realized I wasn't actually asking people to conversations, and I wasn't in in coaching conversations, and that's what I was really scared of. And so once I uncovered that fear, that was really powerful. I ended up hiring her, and I got a bunch of clients, and in about a space of a month, I doubled my income and left that job and went full-time into the business. And so that, for me, really proved the power of good coaching, and um, I fell in love with it, and I've been doing that ever since.
1: Oh, that's awesome. You know, it's funny you say that because – a colleague of mine said this a number of years ago, and, and I use it when I'm describing coaching. And, and one of the things I say with with my company, Vision Coaching, we got a number of coaches and a uh, pretty strong roster. And, and we're out there, you know, wanting to, to really, you know, use coaching to help change the world and, and help support people. But one of the things we always say is beware of the coach who has no coach. And because uh, I know the first yeah. thing I did when I went through my my coaching certification was I hired a coach right off the right off the get go. And it made all the difference in terms of launching the business so I can talk to people like you can from the perspective of being coached and also coaching. And it really accelerates, I think, your ability to coach. So so that's that's a really neat introduction. Yeah. So who, who do you who are your clients? Like, who do you work with? Who do you enjoy working with most? Uh, um, you know, what's the work you love?
3: It's, it's pretty focused now, and I started off it was more broad personal coaching, and I, I narrowed in at the beginning around helping people find work they were really passionate about and, and purposeful work, and that's because, obviously, that's what I was doing at the time, but I was kind of one or two steps back from my journey, and, and for me, that's who I like to coach is one or two steps back from me because those are the things that are lighting me up. Right now, I'm focused really on business owners and entrepreneurs, so... Um, I, I even usually, when I refer to myself, I refer to myself as a business coach. For me, I think personal coaching, business coaching, executive coaching, they're all the same in a way. With they're nuanced in different ways, and, and partially it's about marketing and who you're serving. But right now, it's helping people who are starting and growing companies that they
0: really love.
1: So for the people that are listening that have never worked with a coach and they're in a business... Or they're starting a business, or they're growing their business, or trying to take it to the next level. Whatever it may be, um, could you describe for them, you know, like what, what it means to hire a coach, what it can do for them?
3: Uh sure. Yeah, it depends on the person, right? So it depends on the person and what they're struggling with, and that's one of the beauties. One of the things that's beautiful about coaching is that you could read a you could read a book, right? That's okay. You could get some knowledge. You could attend a seminar. That might be even better. Right, you could do a, a really long course to learn something. That could be better. Um, with a coach, it's it, it, for me, it's the fastest way to change anything that you could have. You have someone zeroed in, knows exactly who you are, what your blind spots are, what your weaknesses are, and then what you're really good at that you should just keep focusing on that. And they're going to be able to, even if, you know, here's, here's the debate that comes up is pure coaching, there really isn't an exchange of information. The content isn't really important. Right, that's more consultative or mentoring. Um, but I found that with some of my best coaching relationships, there has been some consulting or mentoring mixed in, whether it's in leadership, in business, and marketing. Um, and I think that is, you know, something that a, a coach can bring to the table um, if it's relevant. So for me, it's it's someone who can give you exactly what you need in that moment, and who can really just help your brain operate better. That is right. They can help you think about a problem. Um, in a way that they might not be thinking about it or they might need some clarity around it. So for me, I work with my clients basically on five things. These will vary depending on the coach, but it's, it's called what I call the brave business framework. So there's five things. So the first one is business skills. So for the people who are newer entrepreneurs that I'm working with, there could be some skills, sales, marketing, or mindset that they just need to upgrade to get where they want to go. The second is results, so getting really, really clear on what are the results that you actually want. So in my journey, I wasn't clear on the results I wanted. I thought I needed to grow a big email list or something like that, when in reality, the really results that I wanted to get where I wanted to go was to start getting clients. Um, And then A is actions, right? So breaking those results down into what are actually the higher impact actions that you can do? So you're not wasting your time doing what I call creative avoidance, right? You're kind of scared of doing some things. So you're kind of doing everything but that thing. And that's the thing that's going to move you forward the fastest, right? So bringing it down to the specific actions they need to take. And then via vision. Let's make sure that all of that is aligned with the overall vision of the business and the life that you want. So you don't end up building yourself a second cage, right? People who get out of one job situation, maybe they build a business and then they feel trapped because they've built, they've been successful, Um, but it's not really actually how they want to spend their days. And those people get no sympathy because everyone else around them looks and says, what are you talking about? You built this great business, right? And so it's really lonely because they realize, yeah, I built this great business, but it's not me. Or I feel like I'm working all in the business and not on the business. Um, And then E is energy. Well, how can you create rituals and habits and get the right people around you so that day to day your energy is optimized because you can't really control the time you have you can control the level of energy you have and keep keep that consistent, especially for entrepreneurs who, you know, are going up and down and up and down on that roller coaster.
2: And uh, Greg, for me, who uh, I'm actually a beneficiary of the coach experience uh, for years, uh, geez, I don't know how long ago was I met you, Dave, probably a decade ago,
1: maybe? 30, 40 years ago.
2: Yeah, we're really old. Um, It's interesting, Greg, because when I first met Dave, um, coaching was, wasn't really a thing because he told me he was becoming an executive coach. And I remember we're at a wine bar and I remember specifically saying, what's that? (laughs) What's a coach? What does that mean? Uh, So we're talking only about 10 years ago where this really was a super emerging uh, uh, industry. So Dave and I actually traded some services where we we made a documentary and and Dave coached me as I started to grow and build my business. And I think for me uh, to answer the question, um i really gained a lot from the accountability part because like like you mentioned greg reading a book uh great knowledge etc listening to audiobooks podcasts whatever it's all good but having a human who's really just drilling it into you saying well you said you're going to do this why didn't you uh if you don't have another human saying that's so easy to argue with yourself or convince yourself out of things so Love to get your perspective on the accountability part and how absolutely powerful that is when you might have a skeptic uh, potential client saying, "Yeah, I don't know, but uh, let's get your perspective on how crucial the accountability part is of of coach approach.
3: That's a it's a great, um, it's a great perspective. And I think it is crucial. I'm going to reframe it a bit in terms of let's define what accountability is, Um, because I think accountability is really important in a coaching relationship. It might not be what, what people originally think of as accountability, at least the way that I work with my clients. Again, it's one of the great things about coaching is that everyone can do it their own way because it's not really regulated. It's also one of the parts that it's hard to find a good coach sometimes because it's unregulated. But the truth is everyone can do it in their own way, in a way that gets results for their clients. So for me, accountability is not what you would get I'm just an accountability buddy, right? It's not someone who I just call up and say, okay, this was last week's homework. I did it or didn't do it. And then the person's like, Oh, you said you were going to do it. You know, to me that's fine. And it, it kind of can come naturally as part of a coaching relationship, but if that's all the person wants is they just think they need accountability to get stuff done. I'm, that, I'm way too expensive for them, right? Cause they could get that for free. Um, and, and the reality is if that's what the relationship is, then when I leave, they stop doing stuff, right? And that's a problem too. So I don't want to create codependence in the coach-client relationship. So a lot of it is about teaching the guy to fish, right? To use kind of that old proverb. So for me, but accountability is still important. For me, a lot of the accountability happens actually during those first one or two conversations when the client pays for coaching. Right. So I spent a lot of time blowing out their vision. We're talking about well, this is what you really, really want. Right. You thought you wanted this other thing, but really at a deep level, this is what you want. And it's going to take a lot of hard work. Are you going to go for it? You know, are you willing to actually invest in this result? And cause coaching is typically a high end service. They're putting some money down and they're committing a lot of time and energy and bravery and, and everything that the coach relationship is going to take to get that result. That for me is the biggest point of leverage, the biggest point of accountability, because now they've like, "Wow, well, I, I hired this coach, I paid an X amount of money and I better be hustling on this now. You know, I'm all in. And, and that's a big part where accountability hits for me. And then, you know, week to week, there is some accountability, but I think it's important for coaches to work hard to not just be that accountability buddy where it's just a check-in, did you do it, did you not? But it's actually, why do you want to do these things? So that it becomes kind of a self uh, – kind of, not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it becomes self-perpetuating. So when the coach leaves, the client's so invested in the life or the vision they want to create or the why behind those tasks and activities – that they don't just need a constant check-in on
1: them. Yeah, that's I, lo- I like how you frame that up. That's really good. Um, yeah, because yeah, you want to be much more than that, I guess, as a coach is what I'm hearing you say, and and uh, and understand what's what's inspiring someone to, to, to take action on certain items. I, I like the framework you have as well in terms of, you know, kind of how you describe the, the different buckets and places you work with someone. Um What, like, who's your ideal, like, I mean, who do you really find, you know, at least I have a, I kind of have a perspective of who I really enjoy working with. What's your, like, what's the client that just inspires you? I mean, what, what would be the, the kind of makeup?
3: So there's, I guess there's kind of demographics and psychographics, right? For me, I have three main tribes. There's three main, as you could say, avatars, right, that I serve. So the first group is the group I started off serving. And they're the people who are still trying to figure out, um, really, what am I meant to do? What does I want to do? What is this business that I want to start? Those people, I, I'm serving less and less in my private coaching um, for various reasons. Um, but those people are kind of still in my tribe. They still I have a lot of free content, and they're consuming that. The second group is um, it's who I'm serving most right now, and that's the group that they've started this business, and they've gotten some momentum um, kind of like who, who I was, right where I was when I hired my first coach, right? But they're frustrated. They're they're incredibly motivated. They have a track record of a lot of success, but they want to take it to the next level, and they want to design this business in a way that's going to work long-term for them, full-time, and be really fulfilling, too. It's not just about making a lot of money. It's about how do I design this business around the life that I want? Um, and that's right now, I'm serving those people mostly in a group coaching program. Um, and so I just launched my first one uh, a few weeks ago. We have our second call tomorrow and that's really exciting because that's a new modality for me. And then the people who I'm getting now is private clients tend to be already successful entrepreneurs, um, but they want to reshape their business in some way or it's a lot around leadership um, and, and kind of transforming the business. So it, it's one way when we talk and then by the time we end, um, they're spending their time totally differently. The business looks different. Either they've doubled the business or they've, create a framework where they're not doing the same thing they were doing because it's become not fulfilling or they've kind of created that second cage. Um, so those are kind of the three points in the journey that I like to serve, but it's the same client, right? All throughout, they're just at different stages and it's someone who is building a small, you know, it's a, it's a smaller business. It tends to be more simple. It's around one or two or, you know, up to 10 people, um, and they're very motivated. They're very coachable. You know, that's the most important thing for me is that we're going to talk about something and they're going to go do it. That's why I've gravitated so much towards entrepreneurs, because for me, they were the people who are the most coachable. They just take what we talk about and they go do it because they're butt's on the line for it. Um, and, and they're not just interested in the money aspect. They're really interested in making a positive contribution to the world in, in their own way, in the way that's true to them.
2: Greg, um... The the biggest problem that we have with uh, the boiling point is, it's so short. <laughs> so we're, we're we're coming close to the end end of our interview. But for me, meeting you at Ruckus Makers with Seth Godin, who I I would assume is a bit of a hero of both of ours, um, what would you say your biggest takeaway from that was? Uh, uh, for me. Coming out as you know, going in as a filmmaker and leaving as a change maker really had a big impact on me. I, I'd I'd love uh, for you to share with uh, with us what you took away from that conference. And we've we've spoken about that conference a few times already on the on the show. So yeah, what was what was your takeaway from from uh, from that experience?
3: Well, I mean, one of the big ones, just tangibly, was I had the opportunity to interview Seth after the conference and. That was a fantastic interview. It's down on my website. If you want to look at it, it's gregsaxon.com. You can just search through the articles. Um, but one of the things, so that was a big takeaway from the conference, is just being able to get him to an interview, which is fantastic. Um, one of the big things that he said that really jumped out at me from that conversation we had after Ruckus Makers um, was I was doing this project on bravery. Um, and on how do you cultivate bravery and how much is inherent and how much can you uh, learn to overcome fear, right, as a habit. And I, I asked him to fill in the blank and I said, you know, Seth, fill in the blank. Bravery is what? And he just said, bravery is overrated, which was interesting. because I was doing, it's kind of a bummer, right, when you're doing a project on bravery. That is so That's sad. That's the first interview. <laughs> um, but but it, 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 it's, it's more nuanced than that, right? You went on to describe, but basically it's like, I think we put a lot on bravery, we put a lot on courage and say, okay, these people are brave, right? I'm just not that type of person, right? I'm not that type of brave person. It's not a characteristic I have. So it gives people a cop out. You know, it allows people to say, okay, I'm not that type of person who would start a business. And that's a real trap with entrepreneurship is a lot of the people who never become entrepreneurs were like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. I've never started a business. But it's like, well, how are you going to know then you have to go do the thing and then your mindset will snap into place. So one of my biggest takeaways from that project, which starting with Seth's insight, was that bravery is not kind of an input. It's a product, right? We do things consistently that scare us and that put us on the edge. And the result of that is feeling brave, feeling like a brave person, waiting for the feelings to get in line right before you take action. Um, Psychologically, there's nothing to show that that's really effective. More often, our behaviors follow, um, or sorry, our thoughts follow our behaviors. Right? We do the thing first when we're scared shitless, and then afterwards, like, oh, I'm a brave person. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a leader. Whatever it is.
1: Um, So, in in a final question here, Greg, um, and this is really cool to hear what Seth said about. uh... Bravery and just—I could imagine your reaction to that comment, comment. But let's let's get you to in in a final question here to to fill in the blank. Um, the best book uh, on personal or professional development that Greg Faxon has ever read is was.
3: Mm. Well, you kind of have new to with Seth Godin. I gotta say, poke the box, um, and and that's not a—I guess it's not a pure personal development book, but that's really what it took for me to say okay, you're going to have to go try something new. The book is essentially about if I fail more than you, I win, right? See, the, the more you fail, the more data you get coming in. And until you're putting yourself out there, you really have no information to go on. So that's the book. That's one of the books that really encouraged me to leave my job and start the business and become an entrepreneur. And so um, because we were talking about Seth, and I think all his, his books are great, I would have to say poke the box.
2: That's awesome. That's fantastic. And and Greg, uh, I also last week or maybe two weeks ago, I was in New York and I had the opportunity to to Seth uh, to interview Seth on film. Uh, and he was phenomenal. I, I, I can't wait to share the, uh, the interview with you. Uh, everything he says is so articulate, so mind blowing. And he doesn't have to prepare. It just comes out of the guy. You know, and, and and you're very right. Like, uh, sometimes there's questions he doesn't want to answer. He's like, nope, skip. Uh, <laughs> but he's, uh, it's great. It was, it was fantastic. Greg, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really, really appreciate it. In fact, I was very excited to uh, uh, just introduce the two of you, you and Dave, because uh, both of you have very similar styles and uh Uh, I'm sure you guys will bump into each other in the future sometime, somewhere uh, on Earth, maybe at another Seth Godin conference, who knows. (laughs) Um, But uh, you've already mentioned gregfaxon.com. Any other way for people to get in in touch with you, Twitter or uh, Facebook, anything else?
3: I'm a big proponent of just giving people one thing to do so they actually do the thing. So let's stick with gregfaxon.com, and that's kind of the hub for me, so you can get everywhere else from there.
2: Perfect. Greg, thanks so much, man. Have a fantastic uh, week, and we will be in touch again sometime soon. Thanks, Greg. Thanks
3: for having me. Really nice, nice meeting you, there. man.
2: Excellent
1: job of articulating coaching, buddy. Thanks. Take care,
2: guys. So I I think that was really neat because it's probably, well, you know, with, with DJ Waldo, he was a, a career coach, you know, uh, more on the personal side. And it feels like Greg is, you know, teeters on both sides because his, uh, his suggestion is coaching is coaching. It just depends on. The journey that the person's going through. Um, love, love to hear your your takeaways.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, no, yeah, he's. I, I really like how he. Uh, I mean, he's got a real cerebral approach to it, right? And and it's really cool to hear how he processes it and even how he just frames it up and describes it. And I was thinking as I was listening to him, I think um, in this industry, the coaching industry, um, the the one stumbling block for a lot of coaches is they don't have what Greg has, which is an ability to uh, educate very quickly almost market or sell sell the concept so people at least understand what they're consuming mm-hmm. and I think that slows down a lot of people so as I listen to him I mean he I just as I mentioned I really love how he articulate articulates it and then he also talks about you know and and for people that are in the coaching industry they'll appreciate you know the pure coach approach but if you have you know but but blending in some uh, mentoring and consulting and in you know within a, a coaching engagement and you know he's to me personally uh, he's yeah, that's, that's the ticket right because a lot of times we're trying to go in and, and the idea is that the coach you know is just is 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 pulling the wisdom from the client all the time but there are you know that's the pure coaching relationship but there are times when maybe you can contribute oh, and yeah. I think if it's permission based you can actually act as a really good mentor or advisor at the same time all as long hats. as the client understands where it's coming from so so for me as a coach I kind of go oh cool He, I mean in my, for, in my opinion he totally gets it but uh, thank you for making the introduction oh, yeah. really yeah, cool yeah. guy doing really and what a neat background to bring in and uh, to have in the industry.
2: Yeah, and I, I'd say my really quick takeaway is um, my assumption. Whenever I pitch the idea of coaching to other people, the accountability is number one for me. I said this is the value for me, but he really pushed back on that in a good way, saying, "You you can't rely or, or create uh, this uh, de- codependence de- co- uh, experience where um, where." You can only be held accountable if you have the coach experience. That's not the point. Uh, and that's something I want to think about a little bit more. Mm. Uh, I thought that was excellent. How do you teach man to fish? Yes, exactly. You throw him in the water and take, uh, I don't know. I've, I've got nothing <laughs> clever for you there. All right, Dave. We will hey, talk and, to you next And, and
1: but, but just one <laughs> other thing. When is Seth Godin coming on the boiling point?
2: I am going to, um, um, w- we are going to find a time. All right. We're we're posting this on the so, site, so, uh, on Seth's uh, Facebook. How, so ho- how would how ho- would
1: you keep yourself accountable to this?
2: Um, ask me in eight weeks.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to end. Oh,
0: there we go. There we go. <laughs> hey, don't even ask. <laughs> See you later, Dave. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.